Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Praise the Lord, everybody, and thank you for joining us at Victorious Living Christian Center for our uh, Wednesday chat room, our Bible studies. Today, we'll be have, having Prophetess Patrice Myrick teaching, and she will be teaching, we'll be teaching about Micah. Um, so I guess I will open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for joining us on today, God, and for bringing us together one more time to learn of you. And God, we pray, God, that the speaker on today would be able to teach with clarity, God. Help us, God, to open up our minds to be able to understand anything that you have for us to learn on today. And as she te uh, teaches about Micah, God, if there's any intricate details or anything that, that applies to our lives or to, uh, to anything that's going on, to any current events, God, I pray, God, that you help us to see the revelation be behind everything, God, and see how it applies and help us, Lord, to be able to apply your word to our lives so that it's not just a word, but it is applicable to every single circumstance in our lives. And God, we thank you. And we forever give your name, the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. This is Prophetess Patrice Myrick, and we will be studying the book of Micah today. We're still doing the, uh, the prophet, to walk with the prophets, and we are on Micah. I believe we're, we have six more to do after this. And then the Lord is going to reveal what he wants to do next. However, today is Micah. So I have um, I have uh, put in the chat uh, the YouTube our overview. Each week we do an overview of the book before we get started. Um, and if you would like to have the overviews of the week before, I can send them to you as well. So Pastor John, can you kick us off with the overview of Micah? Absolutely. Thanks. The book of the prophet Micah. Micah lived in a small town named Moresheth in the southern kingdom of Judah, about the same time as Isaiah. And both the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel had split long ago, and both had been violating their covenant with the God of Israel. So Micah warned that God would bring the big bad empire of Assyria to take out the northern kingdom and come ravage Jerusalem. And he also warned that after them, Babylon would bring an even greater destruction. Like all the prophets, Micah spoke on God's behalf to accuse Israel, or as he puts it in chapter 3, I am filled with strength, with the spirit of God, with justice and power to declare how Israel has rebelled. And so most of this book explores Micah's accusations and his warnings of God's judgment on Israel. But Micah also had a message of hope that countered these warnings about the restoration God would bring on the other side of his judgment. And if you dive into the book with us, you'll see how this works. So the first two sections of the book develop Micah's accusations and warnings against Israel and its leaders. So part one opens with the poetic description of God appearing over Israel, just like he did at Mount Sinai. There's fire and smoke and earthquake, but he hasn't come to make a covenant this time. He's come to bring his judgment on Israel for over 500 years of rebellion. Micah goes on to name all of these towns and cities in Israel that are the culprits of all of this rebellion. God's coming for them. But why exactly? So Micah picks a fight with Israel's leaders. He says that they've become wealthy through theft and greed. He alludes to the story of Ahab stealing a family vineyard from Naboth in 1 Kings chapter 21. But also it's because Israel's prophets are corrupt. They're quite happy to offer promises of God's protection to anyone who can afford to pay them. No, Micah says, God has withdrawn his protection from Israel. 
In the second section of accusations, Micah describes even more how Israel's leaders and prophets have together committed grave injustice. They run the land through bribery, they bend justice to favor the wealthy, and the poor are deprived of their land, their security, and their hope. And all of this is a violation of the laws of the Torah, which declare it illegal to sell land that belongs to families, even if they're poor. And so we find out that God's judgment is going to take the form of an oppressive nation that comes to take out the northern kingdom and Jerusalem and its temple, which will be reduced to ruins. Now, these are very stiff warnings, and they're not the final word. Each of these warning sections is concluded with a striking promise of hope. So first is a poem about how God is like a shepherd who's going to rescue and regather his flock, which is the remnant of his people, and he's going to bring them all back to good pasture and become their king once more. The second warning section is concluded by picking up this image of the ruined Jerusalem temple, and Micah says this won't be permanent. One day, one day God is going to exalt his temple. He's going to fill it with his presence and fill the city with the remnant of his people. And so God's purpose is to make Israel the meeting place of heaven and earth so that all nations will stream to Jerusalem where God becomes the king of all the nations, bringing peace to the earth. Now, these two concluding poems of hope, they're very powerful. And the next section of the book actually develops them further in a beautifully designed series of poems that are entirely about the future hope of Israel and the nations. So we learn that after the Assyrian attack, Israel will be conquered and exiled to Babylon. But from there, God will restore his people and bring them back to their land. And then we learn that in the new Jerusalem, a new messianic king from the line of David will come. He'll be born in Bethlehem and then rule in Jerusalem over the restored people of God. Finally, in this messianic kingdom of God, the faithful remnant of God's people will become that blessing among the nations. But at the same time, God will bring his final justice and remove evil from his world. The final section of the book returns to this pattern of warning followed by hope that we saw in the first parts of the book. So Micah exposes again the unjust economic practices of Israel's leaders and how it's destroying the land and its people. And here Micah offers his famous words that summarize what it means for Israel to follow their God. He has told you, O human, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is exactly what Israel has not been doing, and so they will come to ruin. However, the book ends with another powerful note of hope. Israel is personified as an individual who's sitting alone in shame and defeat. It's a clear image of Israel's destruction and exile. And this individual is watching for God's mercy, and he begs God to listen and forgive. But why? Why should God listen to and forgive this faithless and rebellious people? Well, the poet offers two reasons. First, he says, because of God's character. Who is a God like you who forgives sin and pardons rebellion? He knows that God's mercy is more powerful than his anger or his judgment. And the second reason is because of God's promises. He says, you will stay true to Jacob and show covenant love to Abraham as you swore so long ago. Now, these are the final words of the book. They're an allusion to God's covenant promises to Abraham and his family all the way back in the book of Genesis, that all nations would find God's blessing through Abraham's family. But to become a blessing to the nations, Israel must first be faithful to their God. And so this explains this back and forth between judgment and hope in the book of Micah. If God's going to bless the nations through Israel, then he must confront and judge the evil among his people. But his judgment is what leads to hope. Because God's covenant love and promise are more powerful than human evil, and his ultimate purpose is not to destroy, it's to save and redeem. Or as the concluding lines of the book put it, God delights in covenant love, so he will again show compassion. He will trample our evil, he will toss our sins into the depths of the sea. And that's what the book of Micah is all about. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Amen. All right. So here we go. So we've since since we have started with the um the walk with the prophets, we have seen um each prophet, some of them have had dramatic 
calls on their life from God, where God, you know, uh, you know, with Isaiah, and 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 they had, you know, they were they were pulled up to heaven, and they had all these things going on, but in Micah. And a couple of the other prophets, it just says the word of the Lord, which came to Micah. And Micah lived in Moresheth in the days of Jatham, Alzaz, and Hezekiah. This, the city that he lived in was a rural city. He didn't live inside the, the, um, in the government. Um, and that caused him to really sit back and pay attention to what was really going on. Thus, he talks about how that he judges not only uh, the kings and the pseudo-religious people, but he also judges the prophets and basically saying that you're promising these people something and you're lying to them and you're not going to get it. We know that false, a false prophet, it's not that they speak falsely, it's that they follow a false God. Amen? So when we look at Micah, Micah insisted that God's righteous demand upon his people remain clear at all times and in all ages to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. However, Micah not only rebuked his people, he also issued several prophecies of the coming of the Messiah and described the future time of peace, prosperity, when Israel would once more serve the Lord in holy gladness. The most famous of his messianic prophecies is, as basically we hear at Christmas time, as for you, Bethlehem and Pathoreth, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth from long ago, from the days of eternity. And that's Micah 5.2. Micah's Hebrew name is Micah Halu, which means who is like Yahweh. Wow. When we look at when we look at Micah, I love it the fact that he didn't just um, go into the judgment of Israel, but he also attacked the religious people because when we look at it, it says that they couldn't sell their they couldn't you know take the people's land away even if they were poor. So they were robbing the poor, they were making people more poor, and it was injustice. When we look at today, we look at the injustice in this world that how we have people who are you know who are billionaires and you look at Jeff Bezos the owner of Amazon even though we help make him rich bottom line is that he pays no taxes but people like us who work hard in the middle class we have to pay more taxes and the people who are lower income they have to struggle just to get food stamps and just to provide a living wage I mean in some places the the um uh the minimum wage is still $7.25. I don't know who could even live off of that. A teenager can't even live off of that, basically, if they want the things that they want. However, when we look at the um, the differences in, in, in the prophets, that they all, they all look at the judgment of Israel and how unfaithful Israel has been. And we look at the unfaithfulness, we can look at ourselves as Christians. We can look at ourselves as the body of Christ, has been unfaithful. We have broken covenant after covenant with God because of the things of this world, the things that we want. People should see the difference between the church and the world. And right now they can't see the difference, not only just in um, the way the church looks or how it's decorated on the inside, look like a movie theater, so on and so forth, but the character of the people who represent the kingdom. Because we are supposed to stand out we are supposed to be a peculiar people. And so what happens is with us, and, and as we can see, people are flip-flopping. They're going one day, they're, you know, they're forgotten, they're religious, the next day they're with the world. And so you can't tell the difference. And not only just by, you know, the words, the religious people who always speak in the Bible, they speak in King James all day long. Everything is amen, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. That's not natural. It's not natural. And so it's a turnoff for those who are trying to follow Christ. So Micah is going after Israel because Israel is unfaithful. We've seen the, the, the prophets before um, have all talked about the unfaithfulness of Israel, how they keep going back and forth. And that's why when um, God prophesied that they will be captured by the Assyrians and then go into the Babylonian captivity. You know, we look at that, it really happened. It took a long time for it to happen, but over and over and over again, God kept saying the same thing. What is God saying to us today? What, where, where are we? Where are we in this thing called life? Where are we when it comes to, to, uh, to the restoration of becoming one and to and, and and to loving one another and to be a part of God's kingdom as opposed to still being um um walking 
unfaithful in the eyes of God. Because we can preach the word, we can teach the word, we can read the word. But are we the living word? Are we the living word? Are we people can see God through us, through our hope, through our testimonies, through the things we've been through? I truly believe that God takes us through things so that people can see how we go through and then we can testify about the goodness of Jesus because what we've been through and how we overcame, no one could have done that but God. And so that gives us the hope. Our testimonies give people hope. But if we're living and if our covenant is broken with God, and that means our relationship is broken. So which means that I don't have great communication with God because I'm not hearing him because now I read and I believe, um, I believe my own, my own, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, uh, I forgot the word I want to use right now, but I, but I believe uh, the commentaries about myself as opposed to looking at myself, looking within and looking at how in my life, how are some things are broken and how I'm not honoring God in that, that we have to look at ourselves every day. So we look at Israel as a whole, as a nation, the chosen people, that we see that they've come further and further away from the covenant. They, you know, they get in trouble, they repent, they go back, they repent, they go back. And prophet after prophet after prophet is saying the same thing. How long is Israel going to take to get it that they know that they are the chosen people? They've got a little bit of money. You know, they're further away from, excuse my voice, they're further away um, from Egypt. You know, they've gone to the promised land and now they've gotten bougie and they've gotten grand and they forgot all about what God did for them. Lest we not forget the man, the one who saved us. We can't go back and, and, and forget and, and look at our lives and say, we did it, we made this, and we did it on our own. None of us have done anything on our own. So when we look at Micah, Micah is looking at the prophets, those who want to be seen, those who want a title, those who are traveling, those who are online, just, just, you know, just speaking in tongues 24-7. It's not natural. And so how can we attract the people, the lost people, with our integrity and with our covenant? Because our covenant is going to tell the truth about God, that how we're living and that how, how we're speaking to people, how we're treating people, our love for God is going, and, and the love that he has for us is going to ooze out in us, out of us, and it's going to draw people to God. But the people here that Micah is, is trying to protect, these people are poor. And, and the rich, the government is taking advantage of them, selling, selling their people. We learned a couple of problems ago where they were selling their children and how they're just taking over and taking all their money and selling them as slaves. And we've seen that happen before, um, you know, during the Middle Passage when we were brought over here um, through the Middle Passage and we were sold, our children were sold and we were so like like the animals and like the sheep and how that even when we became free, we still had to, we were still enslaved because we didn't know anything else but slavery. So we had to share crop. And no matter what we did, we still owed, we still owed, we were still treated. But at the end of the day, we still serve God. That even, even with the strange fruit hanging from the tree, when we look at we look at this nation and we look at the, the Israelites, we can see so many similarities, you know, from from the from from the bondage and the, and the um and this enslavement to even with the freedom because even when we got free we're still walking around here with our life on our back we don't know how to live we don't know how to invest into people because all we know is all we know is what you know to get better to you know to to buy the most expensive things and all that but at the end of the day we can't pay for a funeral yeah, I said all of that within this context because how, 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 how can the government, how can people be so, be so mean to people and snatching and taking the redlining of districts or redlining of cities, the gentrification of cities where it's pushing people out, pushing the poor people out, doing the same thing, taxing the people and pushing them out. Where are they going to go? They have to get those designed to keep people captive and in bondage. But we can also see that 
in this time that Israel was imploding, that they were evil, they had they were evil, they were they, they had unfaithful leadership, you know, and Judah seemed to be like on a roller coaster ride. You know, you know, they were going up and down from one generation to another, only to fall, and they kept falling, they get good, then they fall again, and they come back. You know, when was it going to end? When is it going to end? God is saying he's faithful. And we learned last week about Jonah, how Jonah Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he, not so much did he want the people to be saved, he knew that God was so gracious and God was so forgiving and so loving that he would save them anyway. He didn't want them to be saved. And so we can look at Jonah as an example of wanting to keep people bondage, but yet Jonah was, was God's, God's mouthpiece. If God did it for him, but he didn't want it done for somebody else. So the if we get saved, how dare we not want someone else to be saved? Just because they might have done others, committed other sins that we didn't commit, sin is sin. And us breaking covenant with God is definitely a sin. So how do we get back? How do we get back? We know how the Israelites have kept, you know, they're being warned and destruction. And God is saying, I'm going to do, this is going to happen. But I really, but I really want you home. I want you here with me. I created you. You broke covenant. They broke covenant as soon as before God could even give them the commandments. Moses is on Mount Sinai. They down there partying and making, throwing in the gold and making idols already before he could even bring down the law. How does we forget the one who delivered us? And we complaining because we're eating manna. God said, give us day our daily bread not tomorrow's bread daily bread whatever he gives us today is more than enough for today remember they were scooping up all the man off the ground putting it in jars and then they woke up it was all rotted because they weren't supposed to save it because it was more for the next day but because they were scared because they were afraid of being hungry they just you know they were just being greedy and gathered and forgot about the god who loves them they were in the wilderness and didn't know what to do. So now they're out of the wilderness. They've, they've, they, they have graduated and they've gotten some things. But now they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping things. We learn about them, you know, um, Asherah and then how they're, you know, worshiping sex idols and, you know, and demons and all and just statues and all these things. They're worshiping. But the one true wise God, the one who saves them, how could they forget? Had they not, we know that the Israelites, we know that the Jews tell the stories to their families. How could they forget the stories of how they came out? They still celebrate to this day a remembrance of how they came out in Passover, in the Jewish New Year, and all the tradition that they have. It all goes back to the Exodus, all of it. So looking at looking at this here as we continue to go through the prophets it seems like every prophet is saying the same thing you are being bastards you have just left god you are worshiping and you're, you're just out here having sex and you're doing all these crazy things but you forgot about god you're being unfaithful and god gives them the warning they had the warning about assyria they had the warning about the babylon exile even in captivity god was still bringing out prophets and giving them the word to warn their people, come back home. When are we going back home? When are we going to act like we are uh, the children of our God that is just not substantive? It's just not for Sunday morning. It's just not for Tuesday, Wednesday night Bible study, but it's a life. But it's also a process because the more we stay in covenant with God and the more we stay connected to him, him, the more stuff that's not like him falls off. We can't pick it back up because as soon as we take our eyes off, you know what the enemy does? He starts tapping us on the shoulder. As soon as you say, I'm going to go tomorrow, I'm going to pray, I'm going to go into fast, I'm going to fast from 6 to 12 or whatever. Then all of a sudden, your blood sugar goes crazy. Then you get so hungry, you 
get nauseous and things happen. All this stuff, all these distractions come to get you off your square, to get you off your focus of the fast. What was the purpose of the fast? The enemy doesn't want you to accomplish the purpose. So, of course, he's going to distract. So all these years through the word of God and through all the prophets, all these distractions, all these things are coming against, against Israel. And they're participating because they forgot who they had covenant with. How dare we forget who he is? How dare we forget our covenant with him? Yeah, there's some prophets out here doing warnings, I believe. Um, uh, I can't think of her name. Uh, prophetess that we met in New Jersey, Joya, um, uh, older lady who does um, prophecies. She was on Facebook last night and she was doing the warnings and all. And a lot of people are making crazy comments, but she was making a lot of sense about where we are today with the government and where we are in relationship and getting the kingdom back. I think her last name begins with a V. But um, but how are we in this in this time? We can look at Micah, but what are we doing? The prophets of God. You know, it says the word of the Lord came, which came to Micah. All of us get some type of a word from the Lord. It might not be a warning, it might not be a prophecy, but God speaks to us how He speaks to each of us individually. Each day He's given us something. Whether it be a warning, whether it be a pause, whether it be something, whether it be help answer to a prayer but if we're not if we don't stay connected and we forget how he talks to us we'll miss it so here is micah the word of the lord comes to him god tells him what to say and it's the warning it says here there's a warning concerning samaria and jerusalem and so he's given the warning, but if you notice in the overview, it always kept it kept going back to hope. He kept going back to hope because at the end of the day, God just wants us. He talks about the temple and how we're going to come and how we're going to worship and how he's going to raise the king and how Jesus is on his way. I don't know when he's coming, but I, I kid you not, I feel like he's coming sooner than later because the way the, the way the condition of his people the condition of this world and how riches all over the world. We got wars and rumors of wars. We got murders. We got the spirit of murder is 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 hammering over all these regions and all these major cities and and people don't care about people anymore. Everybody's about themselves and we've gotten to the point where they politicize and every single thing, every little thing, a mask, a disease, something that can kill somebody else. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about me and mine. It's about God because when you have covenant he's going to take care of you and yours but if you forget about him and try to be in control and, and try to put every try to take care of everything and fix everything and thinking that you're in charge we got a problem my grandmother used to always say when there's more than one person in the room there's a problem because now you got two opinions so how are we how are we taking all this stuff in because some days it can be hard to take in all this information in a day and still have hope our hope is in jesus but also the hope is remembering what he's already done my grandmother used to have a jar and at the end of the year new year's eve she would open up the jar when she got off of church and she would just was a just a regular um, mason jar. And it was all these little pieces of paper in the jar. And she would open up the jar and see the miracles of God. It'd be like, God paid the light bill or whatever. God did this or God did that or God blessed me. And it was full. And I asked her, why did she do that? She said, because, you know, we're human and we'll forget what God did for us. And we'll think that we did it. But this jar reminds me of God's faithfulness his grace and his mercy, how he provides for me. And I was blown away. I've always wanted to do, I never, I've never done that before, but it wouldn't it be interesting if we had a, a, a gratitude jar that at the end of the year we could see and remember all that God has done. We can only write down what we know, but what about the things that we don't know about, the unseen things that God has done? And that even though even though we, we, we rebelled and we've been, you know, he's always given us the grace and 
mercy. Yes, some things we had to pay for. We had to pay the price of our rebellion or our disobedience. But at the end of the day, that disobedience and that rebellion and that punishment came because of love to reel us back in. And that's all he's been saying to his people the entire time through the prophets is, I love you. Come back home. But if you don't, this is what's going to happen. So I'm going to end the lesson with this. What can we do? Because we know about the false prophets. We know about the government. Um, and I'm not saying we're going to get on the middle street on a shoebox and get the megaphone and shout and the, the world's going to end and all that. But what can we do in our own sphere of influence? Just to offer hope in this time when all calamity and all hell is breaking out, out, loose around us. Every day we see somebody dying, somebody getting shot, somebody's passed away, something happened, you know, fires and families and all this stuff that's going on. What can we do to offer, to, to offer the peace, to reach out to those in need to, what can we do just in our little small sphere of influence so that they, people can see the hope in God? Because we have hope. We have Hebrews chapter 11. We have the faith chapter that tells us by faith, Noah, by faith, giving us the stories and the remembrance of by faith what happened and how God intervened. And guess what? We have the same stories. By faith, God healed Patrice, by faith. We have all that. We have those stories that we can tell. And so that in, in even in the warnings that we don't have to be deep, dark, and spooky, but we can offer our faith. We can offer the faith of God. We can offer our testimonies and our stories. We can offer hope to a dying world. And it doesn't have to be somebody you see on TV. It doesn't have, it could be your relative. It could be your neighbor. It could be whatever. The bottom line is that we got to get, come out of our little homes and the day, we missed the days of when you went outside, it was a whole neighborhood and, and you could borrow a glass of milk from Miss Janie down the street and go get a piece of bread from Miss so-and-so. could go ask Miss so-and-so for some butter. Now everybody's shutting. Nobody wants to talk to nobody. Nobody knows the neighbor from the left to the right. How can we come together like that if we shut in? I'm not talking about being shut in from the pandemic. I'm being, being shut in from, from being neighborly, loving ourselves, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. We don't even know them. We won't take the time to meet them. I'm not saying that, that this happens on every block, but the majority, even if you go to the suburbs, you don't see no kids outside. And now they have the thing called play days. We had no play day, we went outside. Close my screen door and get out my house. You stayed outside until the lights came on and you came on in. But everybody knew everybody and everybody looked out for each other's children because we were neighborly. We cared about the families. And nowadays, you can't say nothing to somebody's child. Somebody might shoot you in the head. You're scared to say something. You see a child running the street. Give me my child back. There's so much stuff going on that now we got to the point that all we can do is sit back and pray. Because we know that if we step out, if we step out, it might be another situation. It might be another circumstance. And that's really sad that we've gotten to that point where we can't even be neighborly. We can't even warn our neighbors or, or, or even be, become friends with them because nobody is talking to anybody because everybody minding their own business. But we are each other's business. If God created us to be here together, to commune together, to have neighbors, he wouldn't have put in the Bible, love your neighbors as yourself. He wouldn't have said that. Look out for the brokenhearted. You know, look out for the mourners and the widowers. We're to help take care of each other, not steal from each other. As we can see in Micah where, the, you know, the politicians are taking and the prophets are, you know, saying, you know, I'm going to give you a prophecy, but I, I, you know, here's my cash app. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. No, I didn't mean to say that because it's true. But at the end of the day, I just believe that no matter who we study and how we study, that the hope of God and what he has in store for each one of us, we all want what God wants for us. But how do we get there? Because when we, how the, the journey that he has 
hazards on. Sometimes it's not straight. Sometimes it's all the way around, up the mountain, down around, down the mountain, down the street. It's, it, it, it takes a while to get there, but we can't rush the promises of God, the prophecies that we've received. We can't rush it. We can't say, well, where is it coming? Give us this day our daily bread. Live each day to the fullest. We only have one day. Tomorrow is not promised. Yesterday is gone. As grandma said, yesterday gone. We can't think about it. We can't dwell on it. At the end of the day, we're supposed to, you know, take a look at ourselves in the day and, you know, repent of the things we might have said or done. Or if a day, if the day didn't go so well like I had last week, what have you. Take a look at yourself. If we all spent more time inside of ourselves and understand exactly who we are and stop fooling ourselves about our behaviors and who we are and understanding that I can't engage because if I engage in this, I don't, I know myself, I'm going to take it another further. So I'm not going to engage in that. That looking at ourselves from within and from the eyes of God and how he wants to conform us and to change us, that we can possibly be like Micah and stand up, stand up and help people. You know, and thank God for the soup kitchens and the people who have the have the have the gift of service and compassion who are out here who are feeding the homeless. And we drive by, we might get somebody some change at the wild wild, whatever. But God bless them. The shelters and the people who are when it's cold blue and they get people off the street. God bless them. Because all of us have a gift. All of us can't do that, but all of us have a gift. And we all need to be doing that gift, whatever that, whatever that looks like. We can do it in our sphere of influence to make that change, even if it's with our children and our grandchildren. Be there, be present, practice the ministry of presence to help because the hope is in God, the hope is in Jesus. It's not in us. Because we try to make it, we try to make it through the pearly gates like everybody else. But it's a process. And what we can't do is dwell on the negative, dwell on what we what we did, beat ourselves up like the enemy wants us to do. We have to go to God, ask for forgiveness, ask for repentance, and keep it stepping. Because the enemy gonna be like, mm-hmm. Remember that time? Or a situation might come up and say, like he's gonna remind you of what you did wrong. But God has already forgiven you. But if you stay over here and keep listening to the enemy, he's going to have you all jacked up and twisted. Now you're not even going to believe God no more. I don't know if that happened to the Israelites, but all I know is that the progress and the process of them, of going from covenant to not covenant, to worshiping idols and not worshiping God, it, like, it was a process, it was a gradual process, but it was from generation to generation to generation. And each generation had to repent. Then they had to go back and they were good with God. And then when they got did everything was good, they went right back to what they were doing again. I don't want to be like a, a boomerang. I don't want to keep throwing stuff out there and then coming back and throwing and coming back to where I keep repeating my past sins or believing the lies of the enemy. I want to believe and I know that God is faithful. He's just. And just like Jonah said, he's merciful. He's going to forgive them. He's going to save them and he ain't like it. Oh, well, who are you? Who, who am I to say who God can save? If he saves me, then I'm one of those people. I'm no better than anybody else. And God has no respect to persons that he's, he's here to be with us and he created us to be in covenant with him not in a war with him not against him and not worshiping him and honoring him and loving him and not looking at a tree and bowing and praying to a tree and, and chanting and all that other shenanigans that's going on that we have to come back we got to come back to God amen that's all I got for the night y'all the Micah I know I was all over the place with that but that story, um, the, these prophets have really allowed me to see, not just myself, but to see us as a people, see us as the kingdom, the body of Christ, and how we are with one another, how we could be better, um, what, are we, um, what are we showing the world, what are we projecting from our behaviors, and um, what do we really believe about God? Like, do we really believe? 
that he's a God of mercy? Do we really believe that he will save us? Do we really believe that he'll save the people on the street? Do we really believe that one day this is all going to be over? From what we know now. Amen. Amen. All right, right, people, y'all got me sweating. I'm done. Amen. You said so much. I wish I was like taking notes and little bullet points and everything else, things to follow back on, you know, from when you were talking to the Israelites with the manna and stuff like that. You know, the Bible tells us to, to, you know, have no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. But us, we're so busy worrying about tomorrow. We're worrying about the future, worrying about what's going to happen and stuff like that. You know, so we're doing exactly what the Bible tells us not to do. You know, you said so many different things when you went into the government, the government's all jacked up and trying to take everything from from everybody, from the little man and everything else. And the government tries to shuffle the hands. And, you know, I'm not even going to go into our government and how jacked up our government system is um our neighbors you know just as a little testimony and stuff like that you know when i was going through problems and things like that i used to go out go for walks in the middle of the night and stuff like that and some people used to say stuff because they'd be like oh it's unsafe to go walking out at night like that but i used to always run into people and no matter what i was going to uh, going through i would wind up ministering to other people and the problems, the things that I was going through would just drift to, drift away because I was no longer focused on those things. I was focused on what that person was going through, you know, and I was able to minister to them and God would use me to minister to them. And that was a blessing. So my problems were just gone for that time. You know, just, just you said so many different things. It's so hard. I wish I was really taking notes to bullet point things to follow up on amen does anybody else have anything that they want to say you actually touch on the conversation that i was having with mom earlier today about about leaders and stuff and um the conversation i was having is i had a client today who you know he goes to a mega church down here that preaches that's known for for the pastor pastor is well known well known for preaching prosperity messages and he said oh we had a we had a guest preacher on sunday let me just tell you he said you know um are you a jew or a gentile and i looked at him and i was just like so that's a loaded question but i'm 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 gonna say i'm gonna say gentile that's that's (laughs) a loaded you know uh question but he was just like, um, cause he was talking about the law and how he said, you ever heard that? He started the conversation with, have you ever heard of people say that they redeemed from the law of sin and they're redeemed from the law or, or they redeemed their healing through the law or whatever. I was like in a roundabout way. Yes. I've heard that before. He was like, well, the preacher was like on Sunday, you know, how can you be redeemed from something of the law when we were never, the law wasn't for us. And I kind of looked at him like, what? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, so the law was given to the Jews. It was given to the Jews, not the Gentiles. He was like, you know, the Ten Commandments and all that other stuff was not was not given was not given to us. It was given to, you know, the Jews. So having to to abide by the Ten Commandments and all this other stuff, you don't got to do all of that. And I looked at him like he was crazy, and he was just like, he was like, because you're a Gentile. I said, I said you lost me. He was like, no, no, no. It makes you think. I said, no. I said, yeah, it makes you think. But I'm like, no. I said, that's that's false. Do away with the Ten Commandments because we're Gentiles and it wasn't for us. So what does that mean? We can just just go out and do whatever we want to do. We can just go out and be lawless. He was like, but we we we. I said we've been engrafted in. He was like, that's right through Jesus Christ. And I'm like, Jesus said. I couldn't remember the scripture at the time, but I was like, I could. Jesus said he came to he did not come to destroy the law he came to fulfill he said i did not come think not that i've come to destroy the law mm-hmm. or the prophets i came to fulfill the law yes. and i'm like and i was talking to mom and i'm like jesus was the sacrificial lamb for us mm-hmm. there are some laws that yes we don't we don't 
do away with it. I was like, but if you really do your research and really like really study the Bible, there are some laws that we should be doing as Christ's followers, because that was, they were ordained by God. And one of them was a sacrificial law. We don't have to sacrifice, you know, lambs and goats and all that for our sins. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. So that law was, was pretty much done away with. We don't have to abide by that. I was like, but the Ten Commandments, sir, you, you got me twisted. He kind of, he was like, but you're a Jew as a black woman, as a black woman, you know, you're a Gentile. I said, you do realize the original Jews are black. <laughs> he was just like, he was like, well, well, you know, he said something else. I said, it's ancestral. And he was like, okay, okay. You know, I'll just, I'll just, you know, just make you think. I was like, do not, that's one thing I do not play with. Don't play with me about the word because I don't go by what people regurgitate, especially some of these leaders. I'm like, you come from a prosperity message teaching church. Of course, somebody like that will creep in and preach off false doctrine like that. And y'all not pick up on it. I'm like, no, I've been trained well. No, sir, not here. <laughs> no, sir. That was all the way false. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> so think about every time somebody questioned Jesus about anything that had to do with the Jewish religion or traditions, he always referred them back to the laws and referred right. them back to the Bible. Jesus himself refer referred people back to it. So right. what makes you think that it's null and void? I was just like, that is crazy. I said, they really out here doing this. Wow. I'm like, you know, and I've been here, you got to know this word. You got it for years. I've always heard people, you know, say like leaders say, you got to know this word. You have to know this word. You have to know this word because, you know, people are going to try to come and deceive you. But I cannot unmute. Oh, Royale just put something in the chat. Um, I'm like, people can't deceive you and stuff like that. And I'm like, that was like my first encounter. I'm like, wow, you, wow. And hindsight, this is coming from somebody, the client, when I first, when I first met him, even, you know, that we have a secretary and he has a wife and he's been, he, he, he stopped because we both shut him down, but he's, he's very adulterous anyway. And I'm like, of course you would get hyped off of not obeying the Ten Commandments because <laughs> you want to go out and do whatever you want behind your wife's back mm -hmm. and, and, and be and be cool with it. I'm like, nah, no, sir. No, no way. I was like, that's crazy. See, that's the thing. People want to patty cake their sins and they want to justify their sins. But there was nowhere, not even through Jesus, are your sins justified. He has just paid the penalties if you follow him. If you yep. turn from them. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, Elder Joy, I'm that, I'm sorry. that was Micah. Down. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying that was just Micah displayed right there, combating the things that, you know, contrary to what God is, what God says, what the word says, like standing flat footed. I think that's what we heard today. Too, we need to stand on what God wants us to do, you know. Even if we are, uh, if it's if it's awkward, well, it didn't appear to be awkward to you. You was like, uh, no, sir. <laughs> but we can get in these awkward positions sometimes. We're not supposed to say certain things, and we shrink back. But God wants us to be that bold and confront false doctrine. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so that I mean, you were like walking, all right, you was walking in Micah right there. <laughs> but um, th that encouraged me though, because it's something I need to, um, you know, also be comfortable in. And I was thinking about, you know, um, Minister Patrice, while you were talking about, you know, just sharing the story of Micah. And I was like, let me, let me, you know, scan through Micah again, right? As you were talking. And Micah 6, 8 jumped out. And again, it correlates with Elder Joya as well, where it's, he says, this is the NLT, no, old people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what is what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And that, you know, he's telling us to do some other things. But then in the commentary, uh, part of the commentary was saying, um, 
um, you know, speaks, speak God's truth, but also to examine ourselves as well on a regular basis, this commentary says. So, you know, I'm always very reflective when I hear it, when I'm sitting, of course, in Bible study and, and hearing teaching, like, you know, God is this, am I, am I, am I walking this out? right? About walking what you're telling me to do out. And, you know, there are certain areas where I might not, I might be doing partial. <laughs> it's not full. And so I was definitely convicted in some things that I need to still walk through and to confront some things. But this was definitely self-reflective. And um, I'll just say thank you, um, Elder Joya, for sharing your story, because it it put a little fire under my feet to to. I need to say some things to some folks. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, mm-mm, that deceptive spirit is out here strong. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. I was just like, what? <laughs> no way. But, I, but I, that also goes to show you look how fast he really believed it. And the bottom line, how he was trying to defend it. So it's like, bottom line is it, did, did he repeat what he actually heard because remember back in the day when you were little and I know they tried this game where you would sit in the circle and one person would tell a story and telephone one, and telephone right yes. and by the time it got all the way to the end it was something you might have said Jane crossed the street by the end of the story but like Jane went across the street to meet Miss Jones husband and yada yada you know what I mean it's just the story yeah. got mm -hmm. really exaggerated <laughs> so it's like did he really repeat what he heard that's what I was, was thinking. You know what I mean? That's so it's like he could have taken it all out of context. Not saying, but the bottom line was he was very defensive. Right. He really defending, was. Defending what he said because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, can you defend what you believe? Mm. We're That's supposed it. to we're supposed to be able to defend what we believe, and I'm not sure if you are, if you're old enough. Of me and uh, Marquisa and uh, Pastor John and Pastor Ruth, we remember the days when a Jehovah Witness went knock on the door. My mother like close the door. My grandma like come on in. You want some cake? You know what? <laughs> and, my and my grandmother would. My mama would say close the door. I ain't talking to the door. And so my grandmother be like. I'm mean, like, Grandma, this is lady stamp there. There's a whole, it's three of them, with it. they got all black on, they're holding Bibles. Oh, those are Jehovah Witnesses, let them on in. And we were like, <laughs> who these people she let? And we were young. And she was like, come on in, y'all thirsty. I know y'all out here ministering and witnessing. And she was sitting, they were sitting in the living room and she would offer them something to drink, lemonade or whatever, and have cake. And they get to talking and trying to go, she said, okay, before we get started, you know, y'all have been here several times. We're not going to have the war against us and them. I believe in Jesus. <laughs> and she, she was sitting off the break. Now we can have a conversation about the scripture. We can talk about it, but we're not going to war about it because I, and, and there's more than 144,000 people in heaven and then she get on with her day we'd be like and she said y'all going outside now we go outside we be like grandma crazy but now i can remember those things that she she didn't shun them away and i believe a lot of times we shun people like that away is because we can't defend what we believe they're right. very they're versed in what they believe they're mm -hmm. very versed yeah. they're very, just like the muslims they're very versed so so can we defend then what we believe, are we gonna like shrink back and be like, close the door, those Jehovah Witness, I ain't gonna believe, I ain't gonna have no conversation with them. You never know, you might convert them, you never know. But we have to know enough about the word because they'll Johnny, they'll take a scripture that you know and make you think and believe something completely different. Mm -hmm. They sure oh. will. So you have to know what you know that you know. And if you can't defend what you believe, we better start trying to, to study this word a little bit more. Mm -hmm. to understand his word and what he, what we are called to do because what we don't want to do is get into an argument with people about it but you have to be able to defend like you said you stood on your ground flat ground and flat footed knowing what you know and he tried to tell you what somebody said but you said you know what you know he didn't tell you what he knew he told you what he heard right <laughs> you know it's interesting you're talking about the uh, Jehovah Witnesses and stuff a lot of them know the watchtower very well, but they don't know the Bible very well. Mm 
they know select verses and things like that. But when you really go into the entirety of the Bible, they don't know very well because they teach so hard on the watchtower and focus so much on the watchtower, which is not the Bible, not the word of God, that they deceive their very own people. So for a while, when I first got saved, I was uh, I wound up going through some hard times in life and I was staying with a, a couple. Um, they, Mr. Newman would sometimes have Jehovah Witnesses would come by and they would start talking to him and he would sit out on the porch and he would talk to them for a long time. And so one day I go out there and I start talking to him and I start bringing the Bible. They didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> when you start bringing the Bible into the conversation and show that you know the word of God, they didn't want to talk to me. They just wanted to talk to him. Yeah, they teach a lot about um because I was um I had a coworker years ago who was trouble witnesses. She was used to be Baptist and she converted. And they study out of the book The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived. Mm -hmm. Um and I read the book because I was I wanted to know what what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. Um so you know they it's like they believe only a certain amount of people are gonna go to heaven and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day the end of the day it's our job it's our job to win to preach the gospel whether we have a conversation whether we're counseling whether people however they get saved however they come to jesus whether it be we're just having a conversation with them they talk about their hard times whether we're sharing our experiences at the end of the day it doesn't matter how they get there it matters how we show up you know, can we show up to be there for people and to witness and be a witness for people so that they can hear a real story? Because we would we could help someone come closer to Christ and we don't have to even pick up the Bible. We can just share our life, our life story of what God has done for us or, you know, for people that we know in our family. And we might because somebody might not be comfortable talking about the Bible. They might be like, well, I don't. Oh no, is that really a real book? And oh, those are just stories. And I heard this and I heard that. And you're like, well, I'm gonna tell you what I know, you know, and you can go there. So I just think that um if we can defend what we believe and not be combative about it, um, Jesus don't want us getting in arguments and fights because that's what happened. And that's what happens when you deal with dealing with religious religion wars and things like that. Um, that we are to be witnesses, but we're also to stand up for the truth of God, you know, for his word. So, yeah, it was almost nine o'clock, y'all. Anybody else? Anybody else? <laughs> Pastor Ruth still eating her dinner. No, I had finished eating my dinner. I was oh. just, you know, listening to everything you were saying and, and, and the conversation that me and- Oh, um, there she is. Yeah, the conversation <laughs> that me and Joy was having earlier about our coworker and everything. And one thing that you um, said that like, you know, I have to, uh, agree with uh pastor marquisa when she was saying that you know it's kind of like a little ouch moment you know and the question that stuck out in my my spirit was are we are we at that point where we are where we can truly say for god i live and for god i die are we at that point because that's where our mindset has to be. Are we willing to die for the sake of the cross? Because, you know, we, <laughs> we cannot, I mean, look at, look, at, look at the lesson, look at what was going on. Look at what the children of Israel were doing. And as a result, what had happened? Going into captivity, being, you know, bound. And look at how the mistreatment of others and how the kings and rulers were, were, were robbing people. And you, know, and you even said it, prophet, is gentrification coming, you know, eminent domain, you know, all that stuff was happening. And we were like, what that mean? What does, I mean, I never even knew what eminent domain meant until a couple of years ago. That's how they, they say it. And it was like, you know, basically, correct me if I'm wrong, eminent domain means you can go in and take somebody's land or whatever property and say that you're going to do this for that, for the, for the, for the upbuilding or 
renovating of the community or, or the street or whatever. Am I correct with that? Can yes. That? And that, that, can, yeah. yeah. Well, they have that in D.C. And that's how I don't know if you've ever been to D.C., but you know where the where the Kennedy Center and all that is in Georgetown. Mm -hmm. um, you've seen it. It's like the Lincoln Memorial behind there. You have the Kennedy Center. You have the Watergate, all that property. That's where my grandparents lived. That used to be the ghetto. And in 1957, they came to my grandparents' house and gave them a check for $6,000 and said goodbye. So everybody had to leave. Mm -hmm. They moved uptown in a Jewish community. And where they moved, the chief of police lived across the street and wanted to know how they got there. Well, they both worked for the government. And, um, but that's what they did. They, they, so in DC, you own the house and not the land. Mm -hmm. So they they came and gave them the check and they had to leave and so from and they used to be they call it foggy bottom they still do, but they call it foggy bottom because the river was so foggy and rats used to swim down the river, mm. and and black people had prime waterfront property, so they offered them the money got them out and look now my my grandmother before she passed away she said I came for eat lunch down there, but that's what the District of Columbia is a government city. There's taxation without representation. They mm -hmm. don't have their their um, senators cannot vote, but they can vote for the senators to be there. They're there, but they can't vote. They have one named Eleanor Holmes Norton, whatever. But the land that the house is on is owned by the District of Columbia. You own the house. Mm. Yep. Yep. Mm. So I know that that had happened in in Jersey, like. Um, it was how my eminent domain because the highway remember uh, uh was highway 35 mm -hmm. and neptune they started taking the houses and kind of right around the corner from where you were staying at when you were staying with um mama pop newman um yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and i was like what is that what is eminent domain and they were saying they were doing it it was and they people were just being forced out of their homes you know how and, you know and we see all that you know how they're trying to span the, the, the lanes and stuff on Terra Boulevard? I guarantee you they're doing the same thing for all that. They're taking property from those business owners, declaring it eminent domain so that they can expand the road. But I mean, you know, but okay, expanding the road and all that stuff. That, that, see, that, <sighs> okay. It's a, <laughs> it's a great area. <laughs> I, you get for the, for that case it's for expanding the road the infrastructure it's to help people but at the same time you are taking something from somebody yeah but i'm talking about okay like 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 what happened with uh properties grandmother you said giving them six thousand dollars yeah where are they gonna go i mean they were, i'm yeah. talking about where they're taking homes from people yeah they took the home as a whole family my, my grandmother had five kids they moved up you know, town. They're doing stuff like that, and they're saying it's okay, you know. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I'm talking about. And and it's like the richer are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. And then you know, and so, and that's not what that's not what God taught the people. What happened to the seventh year of jubilee? How come nobody's mm -hmm. honoring that? Where you know people used to glean, you know, off the fields. They would not grow a plant. You know, they were just like the the, the 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 land grow wild, and the people would come and just glean off the land. They don't. It's like you, you, they have moved so far away from what God wants from us. Because the boy said, "We ain't Jewish. We Gentiles." I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that part, even that, that right there. I'm like, what? That's crazy, right there. Yeah. I'm like. Okay, we've been engrafted in, which by the way is my declaration for tomorrow. I'm connected to the true vine. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like, and, and, and for them, for him to be pretty much convinced as it being true, because he was, he was excited to share it with, with Elder Julia, because he thought he just had something to share with her, that they were going to have a hallelujah, good time, praising God, and getting the, the, the new revelation of God's word. And, and she was like, er, no. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, he he believed it. And I had, had said uh, years ago, I said, there is a strong spirit of delusion out here. 
and we are really, really seeing it even more and more. There is a strong spirit of delusion out here. And people, you, you, you're starting to see it more. And I was one of the ones that said, it's going to come a time where you've got to know the word of God for yourself. Mm -hmm. You've got to know it for yourself because people are easily being bamboozled. But I thank you, prophetess. This is a lesson that, you know, we really need to take to heart. And we really, even with, with, with Micah and how he's, his boldness to stand, his boldness to confront, you know, his boldness to say, look, no, y'all, y'all messing up. Y'all getting ready to, something getting ready to hit y'all. And if y'all ain't, y'all not getting it right, y'all get it together, it's going to hit, it's going to hit hard. And but, I don't you know, know but you know what recover from it. But, but you know what was, what was deep though? And um, when I was listening to the overview and, and reading some of who his contemporaries were, Isaiah was one of his contemporaries. Yup. That's deep though, but he didn't talk about Isaiah, but he, you know, he went to some of the prophets and mm -hmm. he confronted them, which I thought was awesome because, you know, most, you know, most time people don't confront the religious people. They confront, you know, like the, the, um, the government, but he did both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought was pretty cool. He was like, me, I know who I am. <laughs> I had to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're a mess. All right, guys, anybody else got anything else to say? No, uh, well, it was excellent. Thank you. Oh, okay. We... Okay. Hey! Hey, people. So, what you got to say about the lesson? We'll figure it out the way. <laughs> it was good. Some of the pieces that I, I caught, I was in here. I had, to, I had to do a couple of things in here. So, <laughs> I was doing for support. <laughs> for support. Yeah, but um, I'm gonna have to go back and listen. I'm gonna have to go back and listen. But um, I just came on to really say hi. Okay, yes, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for the word. We thank you, Lord God, for the lesson. God, we thank you for everything that you have done. Father, we pray in your precious name that you will continue to speak to us. Father, strengthen us in our inner man. Father, strengthen us to be bold and to stand flat-footed and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, let us not be afraid to confront the enemy. Let us not be afraid to speak, but thus say the Lord. Let us not be fearful of what man can do unto us. God, we thank you for your angels encamped around about us. We thank you, God, for strength. We thank you, God, for encouragement and boldness in the Holy Ghost. Father, we pray, oh God, that you continue to watch over us. Keep us throughout the night. Father, we pray a special prayer for prophetess. We pray, oh God, that you will bless her, increase her, God. Give her everything that she needs, Father, and even the things that she desires. Father, we pray, oh God, that you will bless each and every one. Keep us covered under your blood. Cover us, protect us, and, and deliver us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.